Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. My guest today is the foremost authority on women's hormones and menopause with his book, Happy Healthy Hormones, and his website, The Menopause Method. He's Dr. David Rosensweet, who's been addressing women's hormones before it was cool, since the late 60s. And he's your go-to for menopause and andropause. You'll get to meet him right after this. Oh, I've got good news from Jess's Chicken. Jess's Chicken here in Little Rock, Arkansas, is where you will find the Bubba's family probably serving the food. Six days a week, they take Sundays off to worship with their family. That's what I love about them. But they have new menu items on the menu. So this is the one that has the one location. David's Burgers is, you know, the 10 locations. But for now, Jess's Chicken just has the one location, I-430 in Rodney Parent. And the good news is they're always thinking of ways to incorporate gluten-free items and even dairy-free And they don't cross-contaminate. I know that because they understand uh, food and dietary sensitive people like moi. I am staying away from gluten and dairy right now, thoughts and prayers. But I can do it easily at Jess's Chicken because I get the chicken salad and I get the sweet. My husband gets the savory. And then the white bean chicken chili is the new menu item and it is gluten-free. Now, if you want to have the mac and cheese, enjoy it. No, I'm know that I'm over here dying with uh, jealousy and envy, (laughs) but it's what the kids really love. The toast and gravy, the chicken sandwich, you can get the chicken nuggets, you can get things that are grilled. So you see, you have options of gluten and non-gluten and uh, cheeses too and stuff like that. And you get ice cream there if you'd like it. Now, the other thing they have, nobody else in town has the scapegoat soda, not made with the bad stuff not made with the high fructose corn syrup, but with real cane sugar, and it is delicious. Check them out online, jesschicken.com. Well, people are going cuckoo for Akel's Carpet One, and it's brand new. And I say brand new location, same location, but I'm telling you, it does not look like what it used to look like, and that's the one on Maumel Boulevard. Three locations for Akel's Carpet in Central Arkansas. If you've ever turned on a television set, you have seen Richard, his wife Star, you might have seen Erica in the spots. Uh, It's a family affair for sure, and Richard Akel knows how to sell carpet. In fact, some of you listening to these spots, he has that business, but with different names all over the country. So you may have shopped with an ankle and didn't even know it. If you got, I'll tell you, here's the hint. If it was the best price you found, the best customer service, you might want to ask, does Richard Akel own this business? Because Richard Akel is known for standing by the sale, by giving you the best customer satisfaction he can give. I, I mean, I, I, and people, you know, things go wrong with not just the sale, but installation or the product came in wonky. Sometimes they'll come to me. I go to Richard. He takes care of it. That's what they're known for. They beat the big box door prices. I almost forgot to say that, but check them out online and in the show notes, acolscarpet1.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, 
Lisa Fisher. Okay, it's time for everybody to come aboard the menopause train, woot, woot, <laughs> because this has been one heck of a ride. Dr. Rosensweet, we don't see a lot of medical providers really devoting their career to helping women in their 40s and 50s, and we thank you. But what got you interested in really dedicating your career to helping women with menopause? Well, I've been a holistic doctor since 1968, and in 1992, a patient of mine that I knew really well, Deborah, she was in her mid-40s. She came storming into my office before the day began. I was working on papers, and she pounded her fist on my desk and said, I'm going crazy, and I want you to pay attention because I'm not playing around. Don't think you know me. And I had serendipitously spoken to the medical doctor who had brought progesterone into popularity. I gave her some progesterone. And three weeks later, she wrote me a letter saying, I can't believe that stuff. I'm totally myself again. And it's very rare in medicine that you get that dramatic results that quickly. And But I didn't really control my career. She referred other women to me. And before I knew it, I was seeing mostly women in menopause. And it really suited me greatly because I love biochemistry. I love hormones. And I decided to just zero in on it and get good at it and to specialize in it because you have to specialize into something to get really good at it. So that's how it all began. Well, here's what I would say uh, of the mix. Progesterone is, for me, it was the gateway. It was the first thing that I started in my 40s, but I wasn't as assertive if I, as I was when I then realized I needed estradiol replacement, testosterone replacement, in that progesterone is nature's sedative. But I would think, and that's when I was still cycling, so I think I took it two weeks and I was off two weeks. Does that sound, is that right when you're still menstruating? That's a way to do it, yeah. Okay. But I, I would think some nights, oh, it's no big deal. I won't take it. I regret that I wasn't, I wasn't more faithful because I think that it would that would have headed off some of the symptoms of that perimenopause. Am I correct in that assumption? Well, you brought up something just moments ago that is very relevant. And I'll start by saying that women put out the peak amount of hormones at the age of 20 plus or minus a couple of years, and they gradually decline. And, you know, it is true that for a lot of women, progesterone declines earlier and deeper than estrogen. However, by the time you're in your 40s, it's highly likely that you are low in estrogen as well. And so what we've learned over time is individualize it for every given woman, any individual woman, but most likely she's gonna need estrogen right out of the gate as well. And we dose determine by a process that we start low on both progesterone and estrogen, we gradually increase to alleviate symptoms. So we can help a woman dial in to her optimal dose, but you usually need estrogen and progesterone. By the time you're ready to start, you usually need both of them. Yes, there are exceptions. Right. There are women who do really well with progesterone, but it's not going to last. They're not going to be able to do well with progesterone for very long. And then here's something really unusual that a lot of women these days in the perimenopause are also low in testosterone. And that's really crucial. You need, you need testosterone to preserve your muscles and your bladder 
So it's a big deal, yeah. among other things. Yeah. So very, it's not uncommon that by the time a woman arrives at my office, even if she's in the perimenopause, we're starting all three hormones plus DHEA. Well, I, I've said this before in my podcast because I someone um, had posted this term recently and it really opened my eyes. I was about 38 when I was having the symptoms that are so common, but it was also the time that my Hashimoto's was diagnosed and one provider called it thyropause, that that time that is perimenopause is often the time that the thyroid starts to peter out because the thyroid is the gas pedal to the body and it control, you know, it's a part of our endocrine system. So which comes first in that, the chicken or the egg? Is it the thyroid starts to peter out or is it my sex hormones and not just mine, anybody listening, the sex hormones start to dissipate or come out of balance and that then affects the thyroid? Well, everything changes from our peak in our 20s. And hormones are the most powerful biochemicals in our body, and we put a lot of strain on the whole hormonal system through the, uh, well, it's, it's not an enlightened response to stress. We trigger the fight or flight syndrome, yeah, and everything jumps in. You know, the vanguard of running from a saber-toothed tiger is energized by hormones. And what's at the head of that vanguard? Cortisol and adrenaline. Yeah. And thyroid's right in there because, as you say, it's the gas pedal to metabolism, and you need to crank up your metabolism. So yes. thyroid gets recruited for the stress response. And lo and behold, estrogen and testosterone get recruited royally for mm -hmm. the stress response. So they're all getting run down. So midlife, it's very common for not only for a woman to have ovarian decline, mm -hmm but also thyroid decline. It's not a thyroid illness, it's a thyroid functional decline. Mm -hmm. Hashimoto's is something else. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune inflammatory response to the thyroid. That's not the most common thing that occurs. The most common one is just a generalized mm -hmm. tiredness, so to speak, mm -hmm. of the thyroid gland, so it's not pumping out thyroid hormone like it did when we were 20. It really is. Um, it's like at age 35, the rug is ripped out from underneath us. <clears throat> and it's this cascade of imbalances that I think women don't know how to communicate to their provider, except for someone like you who has focused his career on it. But I remember just getting, they patted me on the leg and told me I needed to lose 10 pounds and to take a B vitamin for energy. I mean, and they told, they said I needed an ablation and procedures and I didn't want to do, I want to keep my parts and I have, I've been able to preserve all my parts. Even, even when they say at that same time is when they say, we probably need your gallbladder out. No, you don't keep your gallbladder, but it happens all about the same time. And unless you have a provider who really has devoted his or her practice to it, those are the women who, because I'm a certified health coach, who come to me and say, well, my uterus is in some pathology lab in Sheboygan, Michigan, and I, you know, I'm miserable. I, I, everything's falling apart. So I, I just have so much empathy for this woman. Do you think it would be foolish then for to prophylactically in a woman in her mid-30s to start 
I, I don't, I know this is going to make some providers crazy, but start some of the hormone replacement, bioidentical hormone replacement before the clock is ticking or before you see it in your lab work? There's two questions there, if I could go after both of them. It's a, such a unique situation in medicine. While specialties were occurring right and left in the late uh, 19th century, the whole world of hormones and treating women in menopause got deeply stunted. And there was no specialization for them because everyone got terrified that if they gave women hormones, they'd be putting them at risk for breast cancer. Right. And, and that was false information. But right. what it did to the medical profession is it turned everyone away from, so yes, mm-hmm. we're in a primitive time. Mm-hmm. There aren't very many specialists, but they, they're out there. And we've been training uh, folks right and left. So it takes us down to the primary job of every woman. It's to go shopping until you find a provider That's in right. your state that loves this stuff. Yeah, here, here. And has been trained in it. That's the main job. It is helpful uh, to for a woman to learn some things because, unfortunately, she's going to have to be the director of her own health care. That, hopefully, that's not going to be forever the case. But because there's so little education and the false information is out there, she needs to captain it for a while, another decade, I would guess. And to do so, and I think our staff gave you a link to our book, Happy mm-hmm. Healthy Hormones, mm-hmm. your, your people can download it for no charge. What, we, what I wanted to do was write a book for women to let women know what's happening. And now back to your question, yeah, there, there comes a time where hormone decline starts showing up as, as, inj- as really changes in our, our function. And as early as those changes can be identified is the greatest time to begin treatment. Mm-hmm. For some women, they don't feel very much until they're in their mid-40s or 50s. But more and more these days, there's a lot of women just who are in their 30s their hormone levels have declined just enough to, so they're not functioning properly. Mind, sleep, mood, menstrual cramps, periods, getting thrown off. Those women would benefit enormously by picking up on that. And it's not that hard to manage. It's, it's rather simple. In fact, the first uh, Dr. John Lee, who brought progesterone mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. this planet, Really, I mean, he popularized it. Mm-hmm. He, he, um, they produced over the counter progesterone and a woman in her own, and yeah, it's Are been around kidding? since the, it's been around since the 80s. Women, women can get over the counter progesterone with hormones. I love precision, I love individualization, right. I love accuracy. And you know what? Hormones done reasonably do good, period. So back in the day. When, if a woman in her 30s picked up some of this over-the-counter progesterone, it's all over the internet. Dr. Lee's brand is the one I would choose. Okay. Um, it's great for a woman to start the process off. Okay. Especially if she's, if she's getting symptoms of progesterone insufficiency, because that's usually the first one to go. Mm-hmm. And as that progesterone drops, the estrogen stimulation dominates. Even though estrogen's lower... 
Progesterone's a lot lower. So you get, and these two usually balance each other. Mm -hmm. So the estrogen stimulation stuff happens and you get overstimulate that uterus and you get a fibroid and your uterus winds up in a pathology lab in Sheboygan. That's right. Thanks for remembering <laughs> that clever line. I don't know why I used that as an example. But I was just I'm saying. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Oh, well, good. That worked out fine. Um, so for me, that first progesterone dip that I was aware of, and I now know there are others, um, was the 3 a.m. wake up call from nature that keeps you up, not just having to empty your bladder, but wide awake, mind racing for hours. What else shows that progesterone is starting to decline? Great point. That's the wake up in the middle of the night is usually low estrogen. What you didn't realize is you had a hot flash. You didn't feel it. Oh. And that's very stressful to a woman's body. Okay. So she produces the out the the fight or flight biology at the vanguard of which is adrenaline. Okay. She's woken up in the middle of the night, she shot some adrenaline into her system, and she does not get to go back to sleep Got it. until her until her mid thirties liver yep. Yep. gets rid of that adrenaline and it doesn't get rid of it as fast as it did when you were twenty. Hmm. And so you get to stay awake for as long as it takes the liver to uh, immobilize the uh, adrenaline. But the trigger was low estrogen. The trigger was a hot flash. I'm not saying don't take progesterone. By the time you got low estrogen, you you need progesterone, that's for sure. But uh, you need both of them. So this is what's always confused me. Uh, This is how, because I'm very visual. When I started understanding... Uh, estrogen and progesterone's relationship, and then testosterone, and there has to be a ratio. But as I understood it, progesterone starts to decrease, we said, and I I oversimplified and tell my clients, estrogen gets all bossy and comes and fills the gap. Um, so that's not accurate. Right. Progesterone drops, but also estrogen's low, but some people say they're estrogen dominant. So explain that to me. Yes. It's, it's, it's a great concept to understand. Estrogen and progesterone start out high when a woman's 20. Okay. Let's say this finger is estrogen and Got this it. finger is progesterone. What's commonly occurs, it's not biologic, but it's common, is they both decline, but the progesterone's declining earlier okay. and deeper than the estrogen. Okay. Even though they're both down, you still got relatively more estrogen than you do progesterone. So the estrogen, like they should come down like this. Together, right. Yeah, Lisa, they should come down together. But they don't. The progesterone, they're both declining, but the progesterone is declining earlier and deeper. So now you've got... You don't have as much estrogen as you did when you were 20. However, you've got relatively more estrogen than you do progesterone. All right. And you do get estrogen dominant symptoms, which means you get overstimulated. Your uterus gets overstimulated. You get fibroids. You get cramps. You get PMS. Your breasts get overstimulated because it's not they're not being balanced by the great calmer called progesterone. Yeah. So you can get fibrocystic breast disease. You can get breast pain, nipple pain. 
those are some of the classic. There's many more symptoms possible. Then in a woman who is cycling still, 28-day cycles, when do, is her progesterone low at the front half or the back half? I forget. Well, progesterone, there's 100 times more progesterone in a woman's body than there is estrogen. 100 wow. times more. Wow. And progesterone, it runs at really low levels until there's ovulation. So that's okay. mid-cycle. Okay. If there's no ovulation, progesterone continues to run really low the whole cycle. If there is ovulation, you get a big burst of progesterone. So it's mid-cycle on. So with a girl with PCOS, she's not ovulating. She's her ovaries then are releasing too many, too much androgen or t t testosterone, right? And is that what keeps the progesterone from doing its job? Well, PCOS, I know people think of it as it's named polycystic ovarian syndrome, but I like to think of it different. I like to think of it as a series of dysregulations and it ultimately involved the ovaries. And the dysregulations really hinge around insulin resistance. Right, right. I'm, I'm tracking there. And, and, and then you start throwing the period off and you don't get ovulation. And so the polycystic is really a result of usually the insulin resistance. That's where you got to back it up from. But it's they are anovulatory, correct? Yeah, they, they are usually anovulatory, yeah. So then that would affect their progesterone. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't secrete hardly any progesterone mm -mm. to speak of at all. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. They'll still secrete estrogen and they can get out of balance with testosterone. That's where you get the acne, the oily <laughs> skin. Facial hair, yeah. Facial hair, yeah. Yeah, it it is, I mean, as you know, an all-time high right now, but insulin resistance is an all-time high um, as well. So that that's a whole other story. But again, if we're talking about hormones and hormones are chemical messengers, insulin is just another chemical messenger as well as all these other things. Okay, so the woman listening right now in her 30s, she should find a provider then who speaks this language. And I will actually, in the show notes, post the ones that I know of in Arkansas. I'm sure there's a website where names like David Rosensweet, or uh, you're in Florida, correct? I, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. One time, I, for some reason, I thought you were in Florida. It doesn't matter. But so you can practice only in the state of North Carolina. Yeah. But we've trained a lot of physicians. So Okay. Um, and nurse practitioners. So one thing people can do, they can contact us. Here's another thing that people can do. They can search out where the compounding pharmacist is in their city. Right. And go in in person. Don't try and do it by the phone. They're too busy. But if you show up in person and ask to speak to the compounding pharmacist, these compounding pharmacists, there's 80, there's 8,500 of them in the United States. 
And they're the ones who are receiving the prescriptions. They know the doctors and nurse practitioners who are prescribing, and they know the good ones. You're right. They know the amateurs and they know the good ones. (laughs) And so that's another great way to do it. And another great way to do it is talk to other women. Mm-hmm. You know, invariably, someone in their circle is a person like you who've been down this road mm-hmm. and you've, they've identified who in their community is good at this. The greatest news is these days is menopause medicine lends itself beautiful to tel- telemedicine, which oh, means yeah. you, don't, you don't have to find someone in your city. You can find someone who's licensed in your state. And so more and more, the, the, the states are filling out. What's the, you're in Arkansas? We're this in, Arkansas. in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a shame that I had this brilliant idea that I was going to set up telemedicine for the providers I love in my state. And as a health coach, because I see people all over the country, I was going to be able to have them communicate and treat them. Until one doctor said, not so fast. I have to be licensed in all 50 states to do this. And I went, of course, the government is trying to get more money from you where you can't do what needs to be done. So I understand there are limits, but just all 50 states have compounding pharmacists. And you said there are 8,500 of it. Even small towns will have them throughout. I know the state of Arkansas. So that is really, really good news. Okay, friends, this podcast episode is profound. Aren't you learning a lot about female hormone replacement? Well, one thing Dr. Rosensweet refers to is when I ask about how to find a provider, he said how you find a provider is you find a compounding pharmacy near you. Well, people, I did that years ago. Cornerstone Pharmacy. It's compounding at cornerstone.com. Link is in the show notes. They've been doing my progesterone for years. And then I took the plunge and did testosterone transdermally. He talks about that as an option. I still do a pellet for my estradiol replacement because everybody's different. But guys, gals, these women at Cornerstone Pharmacy can help you. Allison is the compounding pharmacist. Brittany is the owner. They know their stuff. In fact, I call them Arkansas's hormone headquarters because they can help you. They can even get you tested because he talks about urine testing. Now, he's not on board yet or he's learning about the Dutch because he still uses a 24-hour urine test. But the Dutch is something he's diving into, and I'm pro-Dutch testing. It's dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. It is pricey, but when you go through checkout compounding at cornerstone.com you use lisa as the code and you'll get 20 percent off okay that's my tip for today my other tip is if you need a compounding pharmacist who can tell you who the providers are i got you and they can help you at cornerstone pharmacy in little rock hi friends i want to take a moment just to introduce you to something that i offer my listeners my friends my followers and that is an online course where you can start fasting today. Yes, I do love me some intermittent fasting. I am a certified health coach and I began fasting in 2017. It totally changed my life. It changed the way not only that I look at food and nourishment nutrition, but 
I take less thyroid medicine. Some autoimmune diseases have been reversed. It's really the magic of fasting. But sometimes people just need a coach or a partner. But, you know, it may be cost prohibitive to hire someone like me by the hour. Well, do my online course. My online course, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Right now for an introductory price is $49.97. You can start fasting today. The first video in that series is free. So go ahead and check that out. But I want you to get healthy and you can do it affordably. And then I'll save you money in the long run because you buy less food. <laughs> it's a great thing. I love fasting. I bet you will too. LisaFisherSaid.com slash academy. So when you started practicing, you again, you had an eye on this and an ear. When was the birth control pill um, introduced? Was that the 50s, 60s? 60s. What did that do for female hormones? Well, I'll tell you a story. I was a young doc, just graduated from my internship, and I got the cushiest job I've ever had in medicine. It was working for Planned Parenthood, which was primarily prescribing birth control pills. Okay. And I loved it. I, the, the women were basically healthy. I wasn't dealing with complex illnesses. Yeah. And I, I finally said to myself, I can't keep doing this. This is too big of a deal. You got a young woman at the peak of her hormonal output, and I'm adding hormones. There's something about this that does not feel right to me. And I quit. And <laughs> I lost the best job I ever had. Right. And because that's what's going on, you've got a young woman at the peak of her ovarian output, and you're adding hormones. Now, I understand that birth control is a real complex topic, and I never say never, and I'm never going to say that no one should use birth control pills, but there's other methods, and some of these other methods are really so less detrimental to a woman's body. Now, having said that, there are millions of women worldwide who took birth control pills and they never dropped a beat, and they got pregnant when they wanted to, yeah, and they felt healthy, and it was all good. But there's also a lot of women who didn't do well. For example, there's a natural biologic response. When you've got high hormones and you add hormones, the body goes too much estrogen and it, it does a compensation called elevating something called sex hormone binding globulin. Right. And when it does that, sex hormone binding globulin also binds up to testosterone. So for a lot of women... They lose their libido right. for the birth control pill. Not all, but, but some do. And a lot of women, the sex hormone binding globulin goes up and it never comes down. And so by the time they reach menopause and we're talking about giving them hormones, we see an elevated sex hormone binding globulin. We don't love to see that. Most of the time, it's not a problem, but some of the time it is. So sharp practitioners, and this is what we do in our method, we always draw a sex hormone binding globulin at the very same time we're starting treating a woman because we want to know what the baseline is on that. So, yeah, birth control pills, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a blessing for so many and they're not for others. And, you know, cutting to the chase, I, I, I think there's the things could, people should look into IUDs. 
Oh, you, you know, like that better. But that I also do, has yes. a synthetic progestin, doesn't yes, it? Yes, but you don't need that. You don't. You can get a copper IUD that doesn't have the synthetic progestin in it. Oh, okay. So uh, there's even barrier methods are good. I know people object to them. Yeah. But it's a complex topic, Very. birth control. I'm not going to try and heavily criticize the birth control pill, but it has its hormonal consequences. In a lot of women, it has no consequences. In some women, it does. Do you cringe when you hear that women who are 50 are put on birth control or remaining on birth control as they are perimenopausal and menopausal? Does it make you twitch? Because it kind of makes me twitch. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, in a way, it's something. Their estrogen's dropped, Mm -hmm. so they're getting some estrogen back and they're getting an artificial progesterone called progestins which have problems it's better than nothing but we know so much these days oh it is better than nothing i thought it was worse than nothing (laughs) well you know at least theoretically it is lisa but to me there is a cringe factor because that is not how we like to work with women. We like to give them bioidentical, biased, progesterone, and very often testosterone right out of the gate. And we like to adjust them because every woman's different. Yeah. There's some women who need this much estrogen. Yeah. Other women need this much estrogen, three, three times as much. All of these women are healthy, regularly cycling, fertile. There's a great variation in estrogen and testosterone and DHEA and progesterone. So to individualize to us is so important to do good medicine. We like to do good medicine. We sure. think it's a good. Good. That, that's that's so good So birth control know. pill is, is so minimal that, but it's not a zero. Okay. It's got, it's got estradiol in it. So let then let's go over the definition of estradiol, estrone, and estrogen, and explain to me the differences. Are those those are the three, right? Yeah, estrogen is a, a family name. There is no hormone called estrogen. There's three active ones. Estradiol is the most potent of the estrogens. Okay. Estrone is about 80% as potent as estradiol. There happens to be more estrone in a woman's body than there is estradiol, over twice as much. And estriol is one-eighth as potent as estradiol. However, there's more estriol than there is the sum of estrone and estradiol. Oh, wow. Nature had some reason for estriol. And we think best medicine, without a doubt, is to prescribe a woman a combination of estriol and estradiol. And we even start off with 80% estriol, 20% estradiol. And what will happen in most but not all instances is that'll replicate a hormone and metabolite profile that's like nature created. It takes that much estriol to do it. Wow. And estriol, if you want to know more, I can tell you uh, why we choose Baya. Yeah. 
In the 1960s, an oncologist studying breast cancer at the University of Nebraska did 24-hour urines, which is the gold standard for testing hormones, on young, healthy women. And he was the one who uncovered that there was more estriol than there was the sum of estrone and estradiol. And he compared it with urines of women who had cancer, and they had a lot lower estriol. In your position, you can say bioidentical hormone replacement therapy might be protective of certain cancers. Yes. Now, I want people to hear that, that it can be protective of certain cancers. We're seeing the research is protective of brain, of Alzheimer's, dementia, anything regarding the brain, brain, and even the heart. Oh, That's yeah. correct, right? But I would like to qualify it. The Women's Health Initiative study in 2002 was wrong. Yeah, and it was, later it was later retracted. In 2006. But no one, well, ever, no one ever brings that study up that it was retracted four years later because I've done the research. That's, it. that's when they knew that the information was false. They published it in 2016 or 17. The original study oh, committee published that okay. after 18 years of follow-up, there is no increased risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke. And here's the science, that we're all vulnerable to thousands of diagnoses. We're all vulnerable to hundreds of cancers. Every day, right. And as a male, I've got an increased relative risk for prostate cancer, and there's reasons for that. There's new reasons for that. And women do have an increased relative risk for breast cancer, and there's reasons for that. It wasn't always that way. But given that, women who are treated with hormones are at less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who are untreated. And the great news is, is that's all hormones. That's even Premarin and Prempro. Okay. All, all hormones are good. All right. Do I, I've never written a prescription for anything other than compounded bioidenticals. Right. But I want people to realize that hormones are good. And if you do decent work, you're only going to be protected. That, so that's, that, that's, the, that, that's the science. And yes, you, you can do things with compounded bioidenticals. You can be so individualized in your prescriptions and the balances. And they're bioidentical. They're the same molecule as your own body put out. So that's why I've always chosen those. But I want to make it clear that all of these hormones do good, provided they're done with some prudence. <laughs> you, know, you gotta be somewhat careful. And just that there is an option, because I will say as a, a, a customer of, uh, there's my bioidentical testosterone replacement, because the pellet was too much for me. I have trouble met metabolizing the pellet. I grew a beard and, you know, had I had acne. I had back acne. Like I had crazy. But anyway, we're all different, right? But it is good to hear you say, Dr. Rosensweet, that even the ones that are sold by Big Pharma are still cardioprotective and head of other protections because this could be cost prohibitive. And I'm showing, those of you not watching the YouTube, I'm showing... Um, my uh, transdermal testosterone that I use every day because that adds up. You know, I, I've got several, you know, little concoctions and they even have to add DHEA to mine because I did the Dutch test. I was low on DHEA. So it's good to hear that there are more affordable options. But just your point is 
hormones are good. I don't know why everyone, everyone caught on fire in 2002 with that study and ran from hormones. And now people are, are coming back, but there are still doctors who won't prescribe them or are dismissive to people who ask about bioidentical hormone replacement. Now the Lisa Fisher version of that is fire them (laughs) and go to somebody else. But women are very relational and don't want their doctor mad at them. I'm like, they don't know. Uh, How can you address that? They don't. Um, Boy, what a complex situation we're in. One thing I'd like to say is that um, I have an amazing team. And one of our team members, when he joined us, saw that the biggest barrier was to compounded hormones was the cost. Yeah. So uh, make a long story short, um, they've negotiated with a national pharmacy and women are going to be able to get our hormones in organic oils. We dispense ours in certified organic oils. No way. For $99 a month. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And And so- and they're separately, though. You still have testosterone's one bottle. Progester- progesterone's always a capsule, right? No, it can be either a, in a topical or a capsule. Oh. Progesterone. Okay. Testosterone's always t- topical. Okay. And estrogen is always topical. Okay. That's the safest and most efficacious way. Now, so about women, the doctors. Sorry. Do women ever take an, es- an estrogen pill then? They sure do. Okay. But not the great. Here's why. For one thing, when the birth control pill came out, there was a rare, but it happened, complication where a woman could get a blood clot in her legs or even go to her lungs. Mm -hmm. And that was from the oral estrogen. It's not common, but it happens. I mean, over the course of my career, 30 years specializing. Yes. I have two patients that that's what happened to them. They took the birth control pill and they got a clot. One of them right. had to go to their, her lungs. And since then, I've interviewed several women who had the same thing. So why would you give estrogen orally when topically it doesn't have that complication? Got it. Now, there's technical reasons why that happens. That's just not a out of the blue thing. I don't need to go into those. Take your, your estrogens topically. Put them on your skin. Okay. And... The point about the doctors, you know, life is wild Mm -hmm. on this earth. Mm -hmm. And it was a wild thing that happened in 2002 that scared everybody. Mm -hmm. And it genuinely scared good doctors. The news said that there was increased risk. It was false. It never said increased risk. No, it was erroneous. it, it, it It was statistically insignificant. That's right. In fact, even in that original study, Premarin, women had a 21% less chance of getting breast cancer if they were on Premarin. Wow. Yeah. It was a 1.2. How did that, I thought the increase was like four one year and then it was five the next year. And so they, whatever the math is on that, and that's what scared everybody. Then how are what you, what, what you're saying then decrease the risk? How did that not come out? Because... There was one arm of the study, the progestin arm. It was um, it was Prempro, right? Where it was a one point two six increase relative risk. That was it. But however, what it stated immediately was, but that was not statistically significant. 
And what we know in medicine is if it says not statistically significant, you don't draw any conclusions. You don't know the outcome. So you have to follow up to see what happens. Well, as you said, four years later, they, that 1.26 went down to zero. It was never statistically significant, but that's not what the press got hold of. And, you know, misogynistic energy occurs on this planet. It's mysterious. It's insane. It's taken us to the brink of destruction. <laughs> I'm chuckling, but I'm not. No, I, and, I mean, look at the news who, who, the last few years. I know, on everything. Who can explain why? But we're recovering. But the medical profession hasn't recovered. Like you said, the, why didn't they just blast the retraction? Right. But they didn't. But there's soldiers out there bringing the, to light. There, there's a book called Estrogen Matters by an oncologist, Avram Blooming, and his partner, Carol Tavris. He specialized in breast cancer. Estrogen Matters. For anyone who really wants okay. to know the science, it's all there. Dr. Blooming is a genius in this matter. Then he's not an what, advocate of bioidenticals, but he's a genius in, in others. Then what's in, his position on previous breast cancer patients doing bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? I'm going to tell you the guts of his position. His wife and his daughter had breast cancer, and he's got both of them on Premarin. That gives me chills. I swear to you right now, I have chills. Because I cannot tell you how many women I sit across from who are in tears. They're, gyne they're gynecologists because they're no longer having babies. Yeah. These women, they're postmenopausal. They've been through cancer. Or maybe they had a relative with cancer. and the, Or they, in some cases, have an oncologist. Their oncologist would absolutely go ballistic if they thought the gynecologist was trying to pet push BHRT. So let me give you the science. And it's in chapter three of my book, Okay, Happy Healthy Hormones, which folks can download for no I'm charge. Downloading your... it when I hang up. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible of it, though, is Dr. Blooming's book, Estrogen okay. Matters. And it. here's the science. Women who have had breast cancer and have had that breast cancer properly treated are at less risk, well, these, these women have an increased relative risk of getting a recurrence than a woman has of getting breast cancer brand new. Women who are treated with hormones, who've had prior breast cancer properly treated, are at less risk for recurrence than women who are untreated. Unbelievable. That's the science. The very first thing I do when we're approached by women who've had breast cancer and our group has treated many, many, many women who've had breast cancer. I have women who have had breast cancer in active treatment right now. Um, the very first thing I do is I say, purchase this book, Estrogen Matters, so at least you will know what the science is. Right. I agree. Your, your provider may not know what that right. science is. Right. And, you know, I love gynecologists. I've, I've had so much support over the many, many years I've been practicing by gynecologists, but they're surgeons. They love procedures. They love surgery. God bless them. We need them. Right. Oh my God, obstetricians right. and gynecologists. Oh, they're a miracle. But very few of them um, really love hormones or have decided to get good at hormones. 
They love surgery. They have enough challenges keeping up with their own surgical procedures. Mm -hmm. Right. And so so you go to them and they've been poisoned by the same uh, Women's Health Initiative that has never gotten popularly known that that it's retracted. So, so what do you do? You don't go there. You go shopping with another in, idea in mind. You go shopping for a healthcare provider, a physician or nurse practitioner or, or a PA, who's taken a special interest in hormones, has gotten some training, and loves doing it. And best case scenario, they're specializing in it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones you want to talk to. If they haven't read Estrogen Matters, most of them have. They'll be able to sit there and, and feel confident in the science. You know, you can get a recurrence. We can all get cancer. But the science is women who have had properly treated breast cancer are less risk if they're treated with hormones than if they're not. That's fascinating. And that's what I really want women to do, to be your own advocate, to intermittent fast every day. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say that until I'm pushing, you know, daisies. And uh, then for women in being their own advocate, knowing what their, that means knowing what your options are. And it's not always what that provider has. Just look, look around. I'm a journalist by training. I mean, that's what I've done for 40 years. And journalists are the ones that are like I'm doing, I'm taking notes and then we look it up and then we make sure that that's accurate. And then we report it, right? Well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not a reporter for anybody anymore, but my own self So that's what I guess I want to encourage women to do. Are any oncologists reading Estrogen Matters, do you think? (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. I bet it's a no because it's not sponsored by Pfizer. (laughs) It's Hmm. not sponsored by Abbott Laboratories. I mean, that's where I'm in my old age. I'm very cynical. (laughs) And my cynicism says things like that, that, the do- and the doctors only have 24 hours in the day and they're doing tremendous work. So I want to say that too, that I respect the work that they're doing, but they sometimes can't get the education to maybe nuance some of these things uh, like you're doing. Is your specialty, was it family practice, pathology? Like what were your interests? Are you an obstetrician gynecologist? I um, grad after my internship in 1969, I went right into practice, just like my uncles had done. So I was a general practitioner, but right out of the gate, I was interested in functional medicine long before it had a name. I was going to say, you were an early adopter. There was no name for it then. I know. And so that's what I did. And then my career took a turn when Deborah marched into my office (laughs) and pounded her fist and said, I'm going crazy. And I had that wonderful result. So I decided to... And I couldn't get my arms around all functional medicine anymore. By that time, the knowledge base had exploded so much that uh, I felt like the best thing I could do was get good at one thing. So I decided to go into uh, just menopause and andropause. Oh, and we thank you. Well, let's talk about the men then and the decline they have. Dr. Hyman has said it this way. By the time a man and woman, you may have heard this, are 65, he said they start to look alike because of what testosterone does. A woman's testosterone increases, right? So she gets male pattern baldness. She might have facial hair and her abdomen sticks out. And then a man, doesn't he have more 
doesn't he produce estrogen and maybe has too much and he has man boobs, but he has a gut and he's also bald. And so he said, people at 65 kind of look alike. Is that because of the decline in their hormones? Well, let's, um, the exact same thing is happening to men as is happening to women. The peak testosterone output in a man is when he's 20, plus or minus a couple of years. Then he gradually declines. And those declines, uh, testosterone is powerful. Yeah. And the loss of testosterone in a man, well, some of the effects, you know, there's so many men out there who are losing their erection in their 40s, even. It's insane. It used to be men didn't usually lose their erection until their 60s. But everyone heard about women and menopause. But everyone who was paying attention was shocked when Viagra hit the market and became so phenomenally popular. Why? Because men were having erectile dysfunction and they were having it because they lost their testosterone. One of the most popular drugs that is out there is Viagra and Cialis for good right. reason. So that's only one of the changes that's happening. Men's moods are changing because of loss of testosterone. Men's basic drive is, and, and the worst of all probably is the loss of the muscles. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the loss of the muscles in women and men that is one of the prime reasons there's assisted living facilities and nursing homes. So this is not a small deal. Mm. I mean, hormone replenishment is so, see, I'm a, I, I'm, as a physician, I get to see people of all ages. Mm -hmm. I have delivered babies. I did mm -hmm. work prenatally. Right. And at the other end, I've worked with people in their 80s and their 90s. And I see what happens to them. And, it's, and young people don't necessarily see that or they're not aware of it that so many older folks are winding up in assisted living facilities and nursing homes. And why? Primarily because they've lost their testosterone. Wow. And they've, they've lost their muscles, so they have to go from canes to walkers to wheelchairs. And wow. it's at that moment, walker to wheelchair, that uh, it gets harder to get taken care of at home. And for yeah. women, the muscle that holds up the bladder and the uterus goes, along with vaginal atrophy, they get into adult diapers, they, lose, they get urinary incontinence. And these are the reason that the vast majority of women and men wind up in assisted living facilities and nursing homes. And it's very sad, but the great news is, is we're living longer and we've figured a lot of this out. And we've really figured out women elegantly. And we figured out men too, that by simple hormone replenishment, what do I do? I rub um, my testosterone on once a morning after my shower, and my testosterone levels are good and my function is excellent. So men have many moving parts as well. You know yeah. as a woman that uh, yeah. your provider is paying attention to several different things. Mm -hmm. Well, men have, uh, there's a complexity to men as well. It's just a different complexity, so we pay attention to different things like men converting their testosterone, estrogen, and getting uh, enlarged breasts. We make sure that that doesn't happen. We make sure that uh, their coronary arteries are protected with uh, PDE5 inhibitors, et cetera. There's other things to do, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, the miracle is, hey, listen, we can do great things for women and men.
Um, gosh, there's so much to talk about and I need to wrap things up. You mentioned earlier the gold standard of testing. You love the 24 hour, um, I do. retrieving the urine. So a Dutch test, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones would probably be one option. Do you like saliva testing? Do you ever look at blood serum testing for female hormones? The, the only hormone test that I can stand behind for with all my heart and soul is the 24 hour urine hormone test. And okay. our group, we have a lot of projects going. We're cross-testing all these. And I got an email from the head of Dutch. We're meeting on Tuesday. We've been in conversations. We're trying to see if it's equally as valid. Right now, the only thing I can stand behind is the 24-hour urine hormone test, and I can do so. Blood tests are marvelous for a lot of things, but not for hormones. That's very important to hear because yeah. so many women get dismissed when they say, well, my provider did blood serum and that she said, I'm not in menopause. I'm 55 and I have a beard mm. and my stomach yeah. sticks out, but I'm not in menopause. I'm like, yeah, really? That's, that's the conclusion of that. <laughs> You're great. I'm putting the links in the show notes. Uh, I hope our paths cross, cross again. You, you have valuable information and this is just really important. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my honor, my my privilege, my pleasure. My God, Lisa, you're a real warrior for for this Thank stuff. You. It's uh, it's very impressive. Uh, it's great to meet Thank you. you. I'm just a lay person, but I've I've walked the path, so I get it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.